Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, Randy Stryker with Ag Commodity Research and OatInformation.com will stop by to take a look at the oat markets. And up first in today's country comment, we'll hear from Manitoba's Agriculture Minister, Blaine Peterson, who took part in Agriculture Literacy Month. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 90 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. As part of Canadian Agriculture Literacy Month, grade 6 students in Carmen received a visit from Manitoba Agriculture Minister Blaine Peterson. Golden West reporter Stephen Suko caught up with Peterson after his presentation. I think the main thing is is just the opportunities are in agriculture. Uh, as we talked in, this, in the classroom, it's not just about being on the farm. There are so many opportunities and technological opportunities now in agriculture with, with the complex machinery that we have, with the input side of it. It's, it's very scientific. And so there's just tremendous opportunity for anyone, no matter where you live. You don't have to be from a farm in order to participate in agriculture these days. Speaking about the education, uh, maybe even perception of of egg, especially for young people today. Uh, Do you think it's helpful to broaden the definition of like, like you say, sometimes people just think farmer, egg equals farmer, tilling the soil. That's the challenge that we have right now. There's, you know, 95, 97% of consumers are removed from the farm. And and then these days too, that uh, we don't have that grandparent on the farm, that that connection has really um, uh, disappeared. And so it's important that we get the message out there about producing safe, wholesome food, local food you know that's being produced here make sure we've got a market for for that and and um as i mentioned in there too like the food science we're doing more and more processing here in manitoba we've you know people like roquette and simplot expanding uh, merit foods building their plant in in winnipeg just outside of winnipeg there's just tremendous opportunities for if science interests you in that food science world too kind of at the epicenter uh, of for some of these massive changes happening in the food industry in terms of technology and uh, um, agri-science. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. When, when you think about, too, uh, what is it, 2 or 3% of people are actually farming and producing all this food. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a pent-up demand there's, for labor on the farm. You know, these farmers need labor, but at the same time, there is so much, so many opportunities to be connected to agriculture, and and uh, that's certainly been our focus is to develop that further processing and the food science in, inside of it, so that uh, you know, great jobs, great opportunities for Manitobans in there. I was recently at the University of Manitoba, and we're actually in the soil science building there, and. Um, you know, while that's important to have that farm background, um, apparently cl- close to half or more of the students going into diploma agriculture now don't have a farm background, but that's not to say that they can't learn. And, and we've, uh, I met recently with some young entrepreneurs. They've actually started a farm uh, out by Eddystone, and they're hiring university graduates to come work on their farm, and they're building, they're building an equity position in with their work there. So um, we all know it 
takes a lot of money to get into farming these days, but this is the way, this also allows people to get in starting, you know, on Farmer's Edge is, is certainly a super example of, of what's possible. A company started in in Pilot Mountain, I believe, and and then, uh, you know, they're around the world these days, and and just the the uh, potential that that both farm and non-farm young people today can can really get involved in. That was Manitoba Agriculture Minister Blaine Peterson chatting with Golden West reporter Stephen Suko. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The Canadian Plant Technology Agency has launched a pilot program to test how the seed variety use agreement will work in the real world. In addition, the Canadian Seed Trade Association has formed a working group with producer and industry representation to provide transparency on the program. CPTA's pilot program will introduce a seed variety use agreement system for a limited number of seed varieties sold for planting beginning this spring. The Manitoba Oat Growers Association held its AGM earlier this month at Crop Connect. Chair Doyle Penner looked back on the past growing season. It was actually a fairly decent year. We got off uh, to a pretty good start. Uh, it was dry during the uh, June to early July stages, which reduced our crop to, to some degree. The rains came a little bit later, so it wasn't the big crop we were really hoping for, but it was decent. Penner says there could be some challenges this spring in terms of tillage. And the current rail shipping disruptions are having negative long-lasting effects on Canadian farmers and on our reputation as a reliable exporter. Canadian Canola Growers Association President and CEO Rick White says something needs to be done as we rely heavily on export markets. Now we see over 50 grain vessels that are waiting to be loaded off the West Coast. That's a direct result of uh, some of these things culminating to where we are today. The merge charges will begin to mount, and they are right now. And uh, there's about 20,000 rail car orders that remain unfilled, and that's a problem. And um, the elevators are starting to fill up, and with all those empty uh, ships waiting, that's customers waiting for their grain. And our reputation as a reliable supplier of grain is once again coming into question, and our reputation uh, around the world is being damaged. He says they sent a letter to the Prime Minister calling on him to take some decisive action to stem the negative effects on farm profitability and Canadian competitiveness. That was a look at today's Farm News. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Wednesday, February 26th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Randy Stryker, president of Egg Commodity Research, will stop by to give us an outlook for the oat markets. Farmers have been fine-tuning their crop rotations and marketing plans over the winter. Glenda Lee Allen Vossler focuses in on the oat market today. Randy Stryker, president of Egg Commodity Research and OatInformation.com, gave the oat market outlook during the Sask Oats AGM last month. We have way too many oat supplies um, and too much production in Western Canada to keep these oat prices from um, certainly sustaining um, what we saw in 2018-19. We're likely to see oat prices continue to slide lower, particularly if the oat acreage in 2020 is what I think it is, and that's 5 to 10% higher. When we talk about the oat market, there's some increase in demand coming from Mexico. I'm sure some of the work that Pogue has been doing um, um, has had an impact on it. Um, I, I think one of the biggest factors is we've seen two drought years in Australia, and they are traditionally um, have been a supplier to Mexico, but um, the back-to-back droughts have cut their oat supplies down to where they're they're struggling just to meet their domestic demand. So. Um, 
Does the recovery in the Australian numbers change it? I don't know. Uh, quite possibly, yeah. We've seen some discussion around what's happening with China and the market there. It looked promising and then it seems to have backed off. Well, the market is still developing in China. It's just slowed a little bit um, from what we initially thought it was. I think the Chinese millers probably got ahead of themselves in purchasing um, raw oats. But the food numbers, and I didn't show that slide today, show numbers of growth of probably 25 to 30 percent on breakfast cereal and snack bars in that Chinese market. So those numbers, um, at least internally in Japan, or sorry, in China, are phenomenal. Our problem is we can't get in there without a protocol, and that's really up to the Chinese government. Crop rotation, of course, is is very key. When we talk about rotations, do you think the amount of canola is related to the amount of oats and the rotational benefit that oats provides? Yeah, certainly um, I would say that probably peas and canola play into the, um, the oat rotation. Um, net returns for farmer are really always what dictates what they grow. The canola seed market right now has got its own issues, as we know with the uh, the Chinese market. I I think the net returns, when I look at things uh, like the slide I put up, I think the uh, wheat numbers or the oat numbers versus wheat is really telling the story right now. We're running around 56, 50 percent, 56, 57 percent of wheat value. I think that's going to buy oat acres. Can I get you to talk to us a little bit more uh, about your future projections? Oat prices are running at 56 percent of wheat value. That tells me 5 percent increase. Um, if we get that back up to 60, 61 percent that we saw during the, um, the summer months, you probably are closer to 10 percent. If you factor in um, potential agronomic issues, if you factor in the the issues with canola, canola numbers in terms of supply um, and demand, it might be closer to 10%. It might look like a better alternative for the Canadian farmers. The net returns tell me it is. You also referenced the effect that it would have for each percentage increase in oat acreage. Can you expand on that? Every 1% increase in oat acres is about 40,000 metric tons on the bottom line. So if you add another 5% over my 5%, you're 200,000 metric tons, hence you're back up to a million tons on ending stocks. In terms of pricing, farmers should take a, take on a really hard look right now, either pricing what they have for old crop and also looking hard at new crop. Any bounce right now, unless you've got a weather issue accompanying behind it somewhere globally, I don't think any of those prices are going to hold if you do see a bounce. So take a hard look right now at new crop. Are there any wild cards in the wheat values that you believe could have an impact for oats? Yeah, the wild card right now, and it's probably not even a wild card, it's a known right now, is that wheat supplies are large. So if we if we pile another 2020 crop on top of that and add to that pile, it's simply going to make the wheat numbers look more negative longer term. And again, the uh, ending stock numbers on wheat right now are significantly, um, they're, they're, they're probably in their record highs. So yeah, it doesn't look healthy for wheat in terms of higher prices. Randy Stryker is president of Ag Commodity Research and OatInformation.com. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Wassler. A new report by the Canadian Federation of Independent Business says farmers and agribusinesses need better access to the temporary foreign worker program. I got the details from senior policy analyst Emily Hayes. So one of the challenges that our members have been telling us is that they're facing some pretty high vacancy rates right now. So Skills and labor shortages are hitting small businesses across the country, and this is particularly the case in sectors like agriculture. They just can't find Canadians to fill the jobs that they need. So unfortunately, a lot of the time, after trying hard to to hire Canadians, 
they're forced to turn to programs like the Temporary Foreign Worker Program in order to hire the workers they need. And this is often after advertising job positions for a long time. Increasing wages is something that many of our members have told us that they do, as well as offering extra flexibility at work. So they really go that extra mile to try and attract and retain workers. And the Temporary Foreign Worker Program is a needed program because it's really a last resort for a lot of these businesses. Otherwise, our members in agriculture say that they... You know they they can't they can't run basically. What are some changes or some recommendations that um, CFIB is making uh, towards this program? Many of our members have complained that there's a lot of red tape involved in hiring a temporary foreign worker. It's complex. It's costly. It takes a while to get a response back on your application. So one of the things that we're recommending is looking at particularly the labor market impact assessment. So that's the application form that. Uh, small businesses or businesses in general have to fill out to apply for the Temporary Foreign Worker Program. And right now the form is not only super complicated, but the process, they they face a lot of delays as well. And in the agriculture sector, these delays can often be detrimental. If you're waiting on workers to help you seed or help you harvest, you need those workers now and not in six months when the government makes a decision finally on your file. One of the things that our our members would really like is better communication about where their application is at because a lot of the time, if their application is is rejected, for example, they're often provided with a generic form letter that doesn't even tell them why they were rejected. And otherwise, if they apply, they don't have any way of knowing where their application is, what the status is. That can be very frustrating. That was Emily Hayes with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. A new report by the group says farmers and agribusinesses need better access to the Temporary Foreign Worker Program. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to the farm desk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The annual meeting for the Canadian 4-H Museum in Roland takes place tonight starting at 7 at the Roland United Church. Looking ahead, the FCC Young Farmer Summit takes place next week, March 4th at Winnipeg's Victoria Inn. The next day, March 5th, Keystone Egg Producers will host its Canadian Young Farmers Forum. To register, go to cap.ca and the Prairie Organics Thinkhole Farm 2020 Conference is taking place March 5th and 6th at Brandon's Keystone Centre. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Coming up in the next half hour, we'll chat with Myron Cron, an outgoing director with the Manitoba Corn Growers Association. We'll also have another look at our farm news for today. Right now it's 1 o'clock. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon. The Manitoba Corn Growers Association held its AGM earlier this month at Crop Connect. Longtime director Myron Cron is stepping down after many years on the board. I caught up with Myron after the meeting. I feel like I've been on here for quite a long time. and For me, I feel like I've made contributions uh, to the organization and to the industry. I, eventually it just gets time, I think, to move on and let the next uh, the next crop of directors take over. And I, I just felt that now was that time. And how long had you been uh, with the group here? I've been on uh, as a director for 13 years now. I served as vice for, I believe, three years and president for five. Looking back over the time, um, some highlights or, or thoughts on, on your time? 
Um, yeah, there, there's been many. Um, one, one thing for sure was we hired the first uh, agronomist that the Manitoba corn growers have ever had, and I was I was part of that, which was great. Um, I was able to travel to Ottawa and um, uh, and speak in front of the Senate Standing Committee for Agriculture and just defending our sustainable practices of agriculture, and that was a really really great learning experience for me uh, to go and, and sit in front of those those types of people. So that was great. Um, hiring Pam as well. Uh, Teresa Bergsmo is our general manager for a long long time. So uh, Pam was only the second general manager the organization's ever had, and I was part of that, which I thought was good, and it's been a tremendous hire. She's fantastic. Um, but ab above all, more than anything else, is the, um, the fellow directors that I've sat with. Um, every last one of them has been really great, and I've learned from them, and I hope they've learned from me, and it's, it's been really, really beneficial to my life to, uh, to have sat on this board for as long as I did. But like I said, it, it was time to move on now. Just a thought, I guess, on, on the past growing season and, and some of the challenges there. Yeah, it uh, definitely was a struggle for sure. Um, I think as farmers we recognize that uh, the sun can't shine every day and you're going to get those challenges, uh, those challenging seasons. Um, um, it, it turned very quick on us from such a dry season to such a very wet season, um, but that's okay. I mean, we're farmers, we, we got to work hard, we know we got to work hard. Um, the, the part that's maybe more frustrating than anything is, is, um, is some of the political challenges that we're up against. Um, the rain and the mud we can handle, it's the, it's the political challenges and, and the unfair carbon tax uh, that we're faced with right now. Those are the hurdles that are probably more frustrating than getting stuck once in a while out in the field. Just talk a bit more about that, you know, the, uh, the, the drying of corn and, and the increased cost with the carbon tax, you know, your thoughts on that. Yeah, like it's and it, it's not a one-off for corn producers. We dry our corn every year, so uh, I reject the notion that it's a, it's just a bad year. Um, it, from the corn corn growers perspective, it's every year we dry our corn. Um, maybe one in ten, one in fifteen, we get a dry corn crop, but typically we dry every year. So uh, this carbon tax does does absolutely nothing to curb our behavior. Uh, we have no choice but to dry our corn crops. So extremely extremely frustrating for me, and, and I think I could probably speak for every corn producer that it's extremely frustrating. And it is costing us money that we just simply don't have. Uh, margins are extremely tight as it is, and then to be, uh, have this tax dumped on us, um, it just puts us at such a disadvantage. That was Myron Cron, outgoing director with the Manitoba Corn Growers Association. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Last year's wet harvest, ongoing market disruptions, rail strikes, derailments and blockades have been taking its toll on the egg sector over the past year. Rick White, president and CEO of the Canadian Canola Growers Association, says it's been a rough year, but we'll get through this. In particular, these blockades have been very, very disruptive and uh, it's going to take a long time for the railways to try and get caught up, try to regain fluidity, fluidity of their systems and get this grain back out to those ships and customers waiting for it. It's going to take a long time to recover, even from short-term one-day blockades are very problematic. He says when it comes to the Chinese market situation, there's not much new. Noting that with the coronavirus, it's harder to reach Chinese officials and regulators because a lot of them are not in or working remotely from home. Manitoba oat growers gathered in Winnipeg earlier this month for the group's AGM. Chair Doyle Penner explained how checkoff dollars are spent. Research, market access, uh, those are the two main ones that, that, uh, that we're going into. We're always uh, looking to explore the Mexican market. We've, we've spent a lot of uh, time and money on, on improving our relationships. There's a big demand for oats there and we're uh, really encouraged by that. 
Penner says there could be some challenges this spring in terms of tillage. And the federal government has announced an investment of $560,000 for the Canadian Federation of Agriculture to develop the Canadian Agri-Food Sustainability Initiative. The initiative will provide Canadian farmers and processors an online national platform to proactively meet the growing demand for proof of sustainability from customers. It will also support Canadian food producers' use of label claims about the safety and quality of their food products. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.